today's scripture reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Good morning. I'm Pastor Nancy, one of the pastors on the team here, and it is a joy to be here with those of you in person and with our online audience at home. As we're continuing in our series, We Serve, I'm excited to jump into the topic of what needs to be done. Now, life over the last 18 months has certainly taken a shift, hasn't it? Um, In many ways, it's changed the nature of where we gather, what we do, and how we recognize what needs to be done. With life and so much more work actually happening in our homes, have you put a little bit more structure in your life? As the pandemic first crept in and we were at home, we came up with a list of chores, of responsibilities, things that needed to be done in our home, and I placed them in a nice handy schedule for everyone so that we could look at that. Now, I I have a picture of it here, so don't judge me too much, but I listed everything out. I gave times. I gave everybody things they needed to do, and we did pretty well the first week or two in trying to keep up with that list, and things were just slowly left undone, times a little bit squishy, it became a little bit more challenging. By last fall, we had some more shifts in our home, in our family, both myself and my husband, Yost, were working from home full time. And then we had three young adults living with us who were doing college from home. So everybody was busy in their spaces, was working, and we had to navigate what those challenges looked like. And we needed to revisit what needed to be done, what that list might look like. I made some extra schedules there. I sometimes took the responsibilities off of myself, and that, I think, is the beauty in some of these schedules. I don't have to be the the awful one coming after you. Did you do your laundry? I can simply say, have you checked our, our list today? What's your schedule look like? Where are you at with that? And one thing I loved in this is that I assigned everybody a night to cook dinner, with the weekends often being a fend-for-yourself night, which meant I only had to cook dinner about one night a week. Loved it. One less thing to worry about in the chaotic nature of life. Now, what about you? Do you ever get caught up in schedules, in managing chores, to-do lists, what needs to be done, maybe controlling the outcomes, When your kids were younger, did you make a chore chart, maybe with stickers or little rewards on it to get them to to make their bed, help with dishes? And as they got older, maybe add in things like taking care of yard work, garbage out, a little more housework. Maybe now you have a honeydew list, a list of all those projects that need to be done, jobs and tasks you want help with at home. Maybe it's written out. Maybe you just keep track of it in your mind, slowly counting the days it takes for someone to, I don't know, empty the garbage, 
move those boxes out of the way. Or perhaps you even passively, aggressively say thank you um, when they do something that you haven't explicitly asked for them to do, but you've been counting down in your mind and had that checklist ready for days. Hmm, Thanks for doing that. Great. Glad you could take care of that. This can cause a lot of frustration, hardship, um, when we don't communicate well, when we manage life from a task list. And in this, I will confess, I am a list maker. Anyone else? Do you make those lists? I love my post-it notes that are all over with all kinds of to-do lists. But honestly, it can become a little bit anxiety-producing as I'm head down on tasks, missing what's happening around me. Anyone else? Yeah. What if there was a different way? What if instead of reducing our work and life to a checklist item or a chore we need to do, what if we reframed it through service? What if we lift our gaze from our lists and our demands and instead look to God, recognizing service is an act of love to one another, reflecting the love we receive from God? What if rather than only checking items off our list, we ask the question, what needs to be done? Let's turn today to our passage we're looking at uh, for inspiration. We're in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open that. I always say this with our kids. We use the Word of God, so open your Bible or the Bible app to where we are. And in chapter 12 here, Paul reminds the Christians in the early church that we are to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He says this in verse 1 of chapter 12. And then he encourages the church to recognize we were made for humble service in the body of Christ. We can look down at verses 10 through 11, and it says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor Serving the Lord. Ultimately, when we serve one another, we are serving the Lord. This is part of the proper worship of God. As we serve and care for one another, we're practicing love in action. Now, this is a beautiful goal, but we, we often fall on our own ways. As humans, we are bent towards selfishness. Instinctively, we know how to serve ourselves. We know how to take care of what we need, eliminating all else from our distractions, from our pursuit of what we want. We're not born servants with servant hearts. Most of us just naturally come into this world waiting to be served and cared for, saying, serve me. We don't naturally seek to serve others. We're self-centered, immersed in our own needs. 
our own checklists, our own to-do lists. In Michelle Anthony's book, Spiritual Parenting, she defines 10 environments we can cultivate in our homes and lives to reorient our lives towards God. She encourages creating these environments where we place our children, our families, in the pathway of God so that they are so incredibly close and he is so incredibly close that we learn to hear God's voice, recognize it, and respond to it in the power of the Holy Spirit. One of these environments is called serving, acts of service. In this, she encourages people to ask the question, what needs to be done? She defines it this way. This posture of the heart asks the question, what needs to be done? It allows the Holy Spirit to cultivate a sensitivity to others and focuses on a cause bigger than one individual life. It helps fulfill the mandate that as Christ followers, we are to view our lives as a living sacrifice that we generously give away. That is a radical shift from our self-focused lives of only doing what is on our to-do list. It causes us to look beyond ourselves to put love into action by serving one another. Instead of calling it a a chore list or a a to-do list, we can reframe it as acts of service. Thinking back to my family's dinner nights and chores around our home, reframing it as an act of service changes my attitude in what needs to be done. Rather than just looking around at the chores undone and the lists that other people should be doing, I see people who need care and compassion. I open up my eyes. I step in and help. I ask what needs to be done. This one simple statement has changed the way I see my home, I see the people in my home. It's changed my relationships. It's changed my ministry. It's changed my life with God. Rather than living in this self-focused spiral of anxiety and producing never-ending lists, I see what is around me. I see the people who need care and compassion. I see our need for prayer. I see the need for me to let go of my way of doing things as I lean into love in action. Our passage says, love must be sincere Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor another above yourselves. For me, this even reframes verse 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Friends, I'll confess to you right now, I have always framed this verse around 
myself. I've always looked at my own struggle, my own frustration, and made it about me. Saying, Lord, I'm struggling with all this stuff I need to do. But you know what, Jesus, if this person would just do X, Y, Z, then I could do A, B, C, and it would all be okay. But instead, Lord, I'll put a smile on my face. I'll look to you. Um, I'll wait for you to fix that other person so they get out of my way so then I can do what I need to do. Um, I'll just pray about it. Jesus, I'm going to be faithful in prayer. Jesus, come quickly. Um, And if you could also make dinner and do the dishes and clean off the counter before you rapture us back up to heaven, that would be amazing as well. Great. Thanks, Jesus. We're good. So hopeful. So, so hopeful. Friends, love must be sincere. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Friends, everything about this verse is about love in action. Serving and caring for those around us, whether we know them or not. What needs to be done? Verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Jesus isn't just talking about the quantity of acts in order to be more helpful. He's talking about the quality of our love and worship. He's talking about being a living sacrifice, offering our time, our talents, ourselves to one another because Jesus first loved us. This isn't a five-step checklist to grow a heart posture in us. This is a shift in what happens in us because we know the risen Savior, because we choose to honor him and his people. Some of our high school students practiced this recently. They engaged in serving at Campbell Farm. So right now, I want to invite up Pastor Mark, Betsy Roddick, Brad Allen to share a little bit more of their serving experience while they were at Campbell Farm. So come on up. Come on up, friends. So Campbell Farm is really this long-standing partnership that we have uh, with Pine Lake Covenant Church and Campbell Farm. It's a after-school program and a summer camp throughout the summer that serves um, families and kids in the Yakima Nation and the surrounding community. And it's just re- this really cool opportunity for us to be able to um, immerse ourselves into the ongoing ministry that's going on at Campbell Farm. Usually for a week, but uh, it was only a, a few days um, this year for us, just last week that we got to go. And so um, I would love to be able to, to share just a little bit about this trip. And so um, Brad and Betsy are here to do that today. So Betsy, would you, would you first just introduce yourself, name grade school, um, your favorite memory from Camel Farm. Brad, we assume that you have indeed graduated, so you can share about your grandkids or something. So um, yeah, just introduce yourself first. Uh, my name is Betsy, and I'm going to be a sophomore. And my favorite memory from Campbell Farms was probably just hanging out with everyone and with my friends and just getting a break from everyday life. Awesome. Brad, how about you? Um, my name is Brad Allen, and you never graduate, so I'm, I'm still going. My favorite memory from, um, I think, Campbell Farms is 
I, I was mostly driving the baggage truck, um, Luke and I, and at one point the, uh, Mark let me ride in the van and we talked about movies and I was just so excited to hear that almost everybody had watched The Breakfast Club and still thought it reflected life and I I didn't share at the time, Betsy, that it's not just about high school. but. <laughs> So, Betsy, one of our main opportunities to serve this time um, was actually clearing out the yard of the literal neighbor of Camel Farm, the house right next door, as we were picking up trash and picking up just things that needed to be cleared out from their yard. So what was that experience like for you as we're considering this question, what needs to be done? Yeah, so when we got there, it was a huge pile of trash, and it was also very hot outside, but... Um, I knew that we'd be helping someone out and we'd be making their life better. And so we did get it done, and I thought it was really cool to be working together in a group of um, friends and people to make this happen. And I also thought it was really cool to see how you were affecting that person in the moment and how you were making a difference. Awesome. It was pretty amazing. Uh, Tom, Pastor Tom, is one that coordinates a lot of these serve opportunities. Um, most pastors don't pull up in a big, giant pickup truck and a trailer pulled behind. But with our small group, we probably knocked that job out in an hour and a half that would have taken um, this community or this family at least a day to, to be able to do that. Uh, it was a pretty awesome thing to, to be able to step in. So, Brad, you've been really involved in um, youth ministry in the past, but what prompted you to go on this trip this year and um yeah what what was this trip why is this trip unique i'm not sure what prompted me i'm really glad i went um this trip was unique i think that on the trips if youth trips are like sailboats the official leaders are like the anchors and that's good to have an anchor but when you really got to get out and sail and pick up trash it's the informal leaders and this was an amazing group and Betsy was one of them and, and Luke said back there is that just there I was telling Mark in the back never once have I been on a youth event that's more than 13 minutes long where not once did one of the, the official leaders have to say don't do this or come over here that kind of thing and but just that it just flowed and things happened. It was a truly unique um, trip, and it was it's just amazing to see the youth leaders um, in this kind of informal leadership role. And just I, I would add, I what, the thing I do, I, the reason I love working with youth is I think youth from about 13, just adults, fully adults, unencumbered by all the baggage we drag around as legal adults, and it's just fun. So good. Thank you. Thank you for being there. Um, that was your first time, but I think Luke sets the record because that was his fifth time going to Camel Farm. So you by far are uh, the Camel Farm alum of, I don't know, the decade or something. But um, as you consider all these different things that we got to experience um, on this trip, what sticks out to you as we're considering the really simple call that Jesus gives to, to love and to serve our neighbor Again, with this question, what needs to be done? What do you walk away from this trip thinking about? Um, well, before the trip, I kind of was thinking, like, just one person can't really make a difference. Or even if you're helping one person, I thought, well, it's not like the whole world. But the trip helped me to see that even if you are just helping one person, it's making a difference. And you're helping someone's life. And then um, also I was thinking about how we can use our privilege um, as like maybe a responsibility mm -hmm. and how we can give back to others. I mean, I, 
Mark, had, you had us um, really deeply into Jesus' teachings around who is our neighbor and the Samaritan traveler. One thing that really struck me was that um, there, there's no judgment involved. And mm-hmm. as we look to our neighbors, we don't, we don't judge. We just do something. And you know, what, what can we do? Something. And what was amazing to me is as we were driving out, we were late. We had a thing in Seattle to go do, and, and we were late. And we were probably we're going to make it on time. And Mark was out in front in the van, and he pulls over, and there's this guy over by a fence, and he's just leaning against it. Mark rolls down the window and offers him a box breakfast, and he comes up and very thankful takes this box, bre- box breakfast. And I thought, wow, you just did the number one lesson on the way out of taking the time to stop and uh, and help and it just reminds me just do something without judging friends this is a beautiful picture of what needs to be done of acts of service and love in action can i pray for you guys will you join me father god thank you for these servant hearts who love you and love their neighbors Thank you for the ways they stepped outside of themselves as they looked around, as they considered what needed to be done, and then they stepped out of their own comfort zones and into serving you, serving their neighbors, serving those in need. God bless them mightily as they continue to look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Before we conclude, I want to share another story from scripture that most of you will know, a story that shows up with the miraculous, abundant life that Jesus offers and includes a servant heart simply asking what needs to be done as they look up from their own meager belongings. The story of the feeding of the 5,000 is in all four of the Gospels, which gives us a a picture and a clue that this is something really important Jesus wants us to pay attention to. Jesus had been teaching all day. The disciples sensed the crowd was getting hungry and probably needed to be fed. One of the disciples complained that they needed to be sent away because it would even take more than a half a year's wages for this many people if they could even find enough food. This was an attitude of looking down, concerned about preserving what they had, concerned about what they needed to do. Yet in this story, here was a boy who didn't have much. Kids, you might remember this part of the story. Do you remember how many loaves and how many fish this little boy had? In John 6, 9, it says the boy had five barley loaves, five small barley loaves, and two small fish. And the Bible says, the disciple asked, how far will this many go? The boy didn't have much, but he looked up and considered what needed to be done. He didn't hold back, trying to figure out, how do I divide this all up so everybody gets a nibble? How do I do do this? How do I manage this? How do I multiply this? And the disciples still had their eyes down posture. How far will this go among so many? As one person, how can I do anything? Friends, we know the rest of this story. Jesus received the bread and the fish, and and after giving thanks, after looking up towards heaven, he had it divided, he blessed it, he distributed it. And the Bible tells us that 
5,000, over 5,000 had their fill. They were satisfied. And when they were finished, they gathered up the leftovers and there were 12 baskets of leftovers. This was serving done as love in action, responding to the question, what needs to be done? And Jesus' miracle was not because of humble offerings. However, when we look up and step out in faith in acts of service done as love in action, Jesus takes our meager offerings and blesses them to bless his world radically. That's something we say here. We want to love God passionately, love others deeply, and bless the world radically. This is love in action. What needs to be done Friends, we could come back to our passage and we could paraphrase Romans 12, 9 through 13 this way. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Distance yourself from the things that are not of God, from the attitudes that are not His. Stop living life only for yourself with this downward-focused gaze. Lift your eyes up. Cling to what? is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Stop reducing each other to a checklist. Stop doing only the bare minimum to get by and honor one another above yourselves. Ask what needs to be done. Stepping into serving one another, serving the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. Be joyful in the hope we get to share about our risen Savior, the hope we have in Christ with one another. Be patient with those who don't yet know Jesus. Be patient with those who are living in hardship. Be faithful in seeking Jesus through prayer and praying for one another. Serve one another. Ask what needs to be done and share with the Lord's people who need your help. This has so many implications for us, our families, our faith community, our neighborhoods. In our family, rather than making just a chore list, a to-do list, what would it look like to encourage everyone to look up, to ask what needs to be done, define together what needs to be done, and then step in and do it together, serving one another. This might mean stepping out of our comfort zones, but we're doing it with a heart posture of serving one another and Jesus. In our church, in this season, this looks like a lot of things. We're in a lot of good and hard transition right now. So as you look around on a Sunday morning and during the week, What needs to be done? Who isn't here that needs to be checked on, invited, offered a ride? What acts of service could be done in the church, in our community, that show we serve? What might God be asking you to lessen your grip on, to look up from, to see what God is saying in regards to what needs to be done. 
How might we lessen our grip on our own personal freedom and individual rights that serve us to instead instead say, we have freedom in you, Jesus. Show us how to love and serve in action as we consider what needs to be done. Friends, where can you take a step of faith toward what needs to be done? Our next generation is giving us amazing clues and examples of this, friends. Don't miss the work God is doing in them. I also want us to consider what this heart posture, what this attitude of love and action might look like in our own neighborhoods. How do we move towards our neighbors? How do we serve and care for them? How do we invite them into our spaces? How do we care for them? How do we ask what needs to be done? This is a beautiful and hard reminder to look up. To look at the beauty and majesty of God all around us and at work in each and every one of you. It's a reminder to look for God asking how we can go further in his mission in the world, in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an opportunity to say, Lord, here I am. What needs to be done? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you today recognizing the ways we hold on to our own feelings, our own things, our own ways of doing and living. And God, we surrender them to you. God, we ask that you show us, that you help us lift our gaze and look to you. That you help us hear your voice and respond in the power of the Holy Spirit as we ask what needs to be done, as we step out of our comfort zones and we step to serve you, Jesus. Lord, be with us, your people. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.